Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. This is Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser, a show where we explore the most important cultural questions of the 21st century and how they impact the Christian faith. Today, we are talking about recovering from sexual addiction with uh, Mr. Doug Barnes, who is a therapist um, in this area. And Hannah, I want to hear a little from you. I mean, I know how, you know, the, the images, the overwhelming images that we receive in the media f- from sexuality distort sexuality. And I'd love to hear a younger person's view since, you know, you kind of grew up with the Internet. I mean, the Internet was not around when I was <laughs> a kid. So, you know, yeah. how's it been for you? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're younger, you don't really think about how everything is affecting you so much. Or I didn't understand why my mom didn't want me to watch movies like The Notebook or things like <laughs> that. Um Uh, I just even remember from social media at a young age, you know, seeing images of girls who were, even girls that I knew, you know, wearing bikinis and things like that, looking amazing. And automatically you have an ideal that that is what a lovable girl looks like. It can be a distortion such as that, or even like, you know, having all of these movie archetypes of what a loving relationship looks like and all the time they involve sex. So I think you don't really understand that that's not real. It doesn't mean that love and sex aren't amazing. It just means that I think I want to be more cognizant. And when I have kids one day about actually talking about, okay, this is what you're seeing. This is what's real kind of thing. Well, you know, the tough thing for parents, you know, I realize as a parent myself of two young daughters is that the line between protection and preparation Mm. is so thin. So I want to protect my kids from the world, but I want to prepare them for the world Mm -hmm. as it is. And so Mm -hmm. I usually err on the side of preparing them, like showing them too much. Yeah, but that's good because they're going to see it anyway. But then discussing like Mm -hmm. these are filtered images, you know. Well, here to help us think about uh, sexual addiction and recovery from sexual addiction is Mr. Doug Barnes. He has more than 20 years experience with sexual addiction, marriage counseling, EMDR, PTSD, betrayal trauma recovery, as well as depression, anxiety, and anger. He has worked with addicts struggling with pornography, affairs, lust, and all other integrity for the last 20 years, as well as working on his own recovery journey. Doug, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, Dr. Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you back. And um, we've done this a little on each episode, but in case people haven't watched or, I mean, listened to the previous two, um, we'd love to begin by defining our terms, such as what is sexual addiction? Okay. uh, Sexual addiction is uh, by by Dr. Patrick Carnes and Webster's, you know, dictionary. It's, It's Addiction is escape from reality. Mm-hmm. And what most of us have learned how to do, because, because we take our sexuality with us everywhere, 
We don't we don't take you know addiction to uh, gambling, so we don't take our chips with us or alcohol. We don't have our bottle with us. We're not we're not born automatically with food and, and running, right? So so those are all external to us. But we take our sexuality with us everywhere from the moment we're conceived, and so we sexual addiction. If I'm escaping reality then I'm misusing my God-given sexuality that he says to save for my partner in marriage. I'm misusing it for my purpose, my pleasure, my selfishness. Okay. So that's just a brief, a brief definition. That makes sense. And so, I'm, it, so if you, say, have some issues with sexuality, like one, once every couple months you find yourself viewing porn or you have one affair or things like that, like, is it possible to have some issues with sexuality but not reaching addiction levels? Like, how do you tell that difference? Yes, that's, that's a great question. Uh, for me, I, if, if there's someone who, who is a, a, let's just say a dabbler, <laughs> who, who's a dabbler. <laughs> every once in a while, you know, that, okay. So, again, I think it's uh, the motivation of my heart. So whether it's 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 an, an affair or an escort or a prostitute, um, a hookup, whatever we want to call it, or it's porn and masturbation, th- there's a reason. All of our behavior is purposeful, and so I would be careful about about enforcing the the definition of addiction as opposed to starting out with. What's going on that I would misuse my sexuality? What has happened with me? Why do I choose to go outside my healthy relationships to misuse my sexuality for me? Because I'm, I'm gratifying myself ultimately. And so I'm not really, I may not be in an addiction stage, but I am motivated to misuse that, that, that God-given gift of sexuality. You know, so Doug, be, I, I think, think we have to be real careful in that. I think a good example. Well, I would like your opinion. So, what if you're in a marriage, you've been married a while, and your spouse is not interested in sex, and you were tempted to go outside the marriage? I mean, does that mean you have an addiction, or does that mean that you are just having a temptation? Or can you unpack that for us? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so being tempted, there's nothing biblically wrong with being tempted because, you know, even Christ was tempted. Okay, so, so we all have temptations. If, if there's, because, because healthy sex is a part of our marriages, God gave us that. It's, it's a gift he gave us. And so if my partner is not interested in sex and I start to, to open up my heart or my eyes outside of my relationship, I, I need to have some awareness around, wow, what am I doing? Because I need to turn that back around to, to go back to my partner and say, hey, what's going on here? What, what's up with, with us? Because remember I said the opposite of the addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And so it's an intimacy issue. If I'm, if I'm looking out side of my marriage for gratification, then there's something, there's a piece of intimacy that's not being hooked up and connected inside my marriage. Does that make sense? It does. Mm -hmm. So temptation does by no means mean addiction. (laughs) Right. 
Do you do you think that there are certain stereotypes surrounding sexual addiction that prevent people from seeking help? I mean, is there a way to normalize it without condoning sexual addiction? Well, you know, there's when 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 people hear the word sex addiction, uh, many people today think of people like Tiger Woods or David Duchovny. Um, one of the Martin Sheen kids, uh, Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. Right? So they, they think of it in such a way like like sex addiction, you're, you're a deviant or you're a pedophile or you're a pervert. <laughs> and, and honestly, most, I would say a very high percentage, are just regular people like y'all, right. people like us, mm-hmm. who are struggling not knowing how to to redirect my sexuality from sex to intimacy. It's not a sex issue, it's an intimacy issue. And so when you talk about normalizing it, people that come into my office, the first thing I tell them is, this is a no shame zone. You're not gonna say anything that's gonna make me think any less or more of you or any different than, than just knowing who you are. Because people look at this, it is so shame-based. And shame typically comes from our families of origin. Not always, but, but a very, very high percentage of, of our shaming messages, I'm no good, I'll never measure up, I'll never get it right, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, those are shame messages. And those are typically top-down, meaning they are spoken into us at an early age, and then because my brain's not fully developed, I, I, can't, I can't not hear those. And so in my misinterpretation of those messages, I now formulate an esteem or an image of myself that is broken or flawed. Does that make sense? It does. Mm-hmm. It does. And so I've got to look at it as a way of how do we, how do we get away from that flawed image and, and look at it like I'm struggling with an issue. I'm not broken. Right. So if you're if you're strug- if you think you might be struggling with sexual addiction, what do you think your first step should be? Uh, first step is to tell someone that you know, a confidant, a trusted friend. Um, for some of us, that means going to a pastor or a youth leader or uh, another couple who might be mentoring us or uh, a friend, someone someone who I trust. Because right. This th- there's so much shame around this. If I tell the wrong person, then it's game over, and everybody knows, and it's hard for me to find help after that. Right, because you want to bury it and you want to run away from it and right. you want to hide it because you think Correct. you're a deviant. Um, and that, that we're the only, that I'm the only one. I'm the only Nobody one. Else with this but me. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where I'm actually kind of long for the practice of confession you know that the catholic church practices i wish that we had a regular place to practice confession um as a spiritual discipline Hmm. um so if you if someone you love if you're noticing some behaviors in someone you love maybe it's a spouse maybe it's a child maybe it's a nephew or niece and you you think they might be struggling in this area, what, how can you help them? 
Well, the first thing that I would suggest is to gently speak with them. And I mean, I emphasize the word gently because it's, there's so much shame and it's a secret. And just like you said, it's, it's isolatory. So, so I feel if I'm struggling with a sex addiction I'm, or with a sexual behavior, I feel like I'm the only one. Nobody's going to understand. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be, you know, thrown out of the church. I'm going to be thrown out of the house. And so being gentle in the way that you say, hey, I've noticed something going on, and I'm concerned about you. I love you. I want to help you in any way that I can, but can you help me understand blank, whatever the, whatever the blank is? Right. And so it's a gentle, I don't want to say confrontation because that has a nasty connotation to it, but it, it just talk with them. Be able to say, I love you, but I've noticed these things about you. Can you help me understand? And just see, see what they say. So would that same thing go if it is a spouse wanting to confront a spouse? Would you give the same advice just because they may be experiencing hurt or experiencing the effects of that? Like, does the advice stay the same or um, do you have different tools? Uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Yeah. And I was going to separate those. Um, yeah, spouse is a little bit different because, um, again, it's done in secret. It's isolation. Uh, typically in an experience of a spouse, there's going to be denial. You know, no, I didn't do that. No, I wasn't watching that. No, I didn't spend the money there. No, I wasn't at that club. No, I wasn't, you know, at that hotel. No, I didn't. I don't know her. I didn't get that email. You know, there's going to be an element of denial. And so what I've noticed is, and I, I don't necessarily condone it. I don't think it's a good idea. But, but a lot of partners do, start doing detective work because something in their gut says something's wrong. I just don't know what it is. And so they start playing detective. They start looking at telephone records and credit card receipts and looking at uh, emails and text messages and looking at apps on their partner's phone when, when it is really, if the partner can just say, yeah, I'm struggling with this. Now, some partners do. Now, I mean, there, are, there are some partners who, who mess up right off the bat and they say, yes, this is what's happening. Others deny it day after day, month after month, year after year until the pressure and the guilt and the shame just become too great and they just blow up and they crack. Or for some, it's they get a disease, whether it's an STD or, or something else, you know, something, something risky happens and they go to jail, they get caught in a sting, they, like I said, they have an STD, so health problem, or the unaccounted for time. So there are these things that a lot of partners experience and they're going, man, my gut tells me something's going on, but I just don't know what it is. And so we have to be carefully careful about there's a there's a popular term out there called gaslighting, which is a completely right. different issue. But it's but it's making somebody believe they're crazy. Like, no, that you're not seeing that. No, I, I was just away. I, I wasn't at, you know, some hotel. I was I was on my way home. That's gaslighting. Yeah. So we just need to, to be careful and I what I tell partners is trust your gut. If something in your gut is telling when you're talking with your partner and something's just not feeling right you need to trust that, not that feeling, and go, whoa, 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 something doesn't feel right here. Did you feel it, or is it just me? Tell me what's happening here. 
because most of the time, nothing is 100%, but most of the time, your gut feeling, I mean, God gave you intuition for a reason. <laughs> right. So, so use it, right? I totally so believe in following the gut, the intuition. That's awesome. Um, yeah. What do you think is... something up, follow it. What do you think is the most important aspect of recovery? What do you think is the most, like if you had to pick one tool in your tool chest to help people overcome sexual addiction, what is it? Connection, connection, connection. And what does that look like? Uh, accountability, uh, same, same gender accountability. And that means that I... You know, it's called intimacy, right? Into me see. I open myself up to other men who I trust, and and so that's that's an important an important phrase. Who I trust? Who who can be trusted? Because if I don't trust them, then I'm not going to be honest with them. I'm not going to be open and vulnerable with them. Hmm. If they, if if I'm not going to be in a place of trusting them with my very life with all of these deep, dark, dirty secrets, that means that I am not wanting to be fully known. And if I'm not going to be fully known, I can't really reach a recovery that says I can walk in freedom. Because remember, it's not a sex issue, it's an intimacy issue. And so if I'm connected, that means I have accountability. I have other eyes and ears looking in on my life, my world, my finances, where I spend my money, where my location is, my phone. I want people to see me for who I really am so that I can be held accountable for all of those actions. Well, you know, it reminds me of how when I go out and I, with my daughters and I weed the garden, I teach them how to pull up things by their root. And Mm. if they don't pull up every piece of root, if they don't get there into the dark, soil and they pull up every part of it it's just going to pop right back up again because the root has not been taken out Mm, that's such a good metaphor and if you're hiding yourself if you're hiding that part of yourself then that is one root that remains in your spirit that is going to keep growing because you never got you never pulled it out yeah it just it makes me feel like the prayer should be that the longing for intimacy would be greater than the fear of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, That's awesome. That's great. Yes. I, I, totally. I, I kind of want to offer some hope for if there's anybody who's listening who, you know, is struggling with a sexual addiction or they know somebody who is. Um, can you share, you know, some, some testimonies of, of recovery Or just, you know, if it's possible to have a healthy sexuality after you've been addicted in the past. Like, what what do people who are addicted have to hope for in that freedom? Well, what what there is to hope for is a deep, intimate love relationship. And so my if I'm looking at the world through sexual lenses or shame-based lenses all the time, if I see people from a shame-based perspective or a sexual perspective, I'm not, I'm not seeing them as human beings. And especially in a, in a marriage, I mean, that, that translates to objectification. Right. And so I don't, I want to see my wife as a human being that, that I, I try to see her with the heart of a little girl that, that God gave to me to protect and to, 
to grow and to, to present back to him. And so when I become uh, uh, free, let's say, I mean, we're, we're, we're always, we always have to be careful, but, but when I'm in recovery, then I am I'm looking to live a healthier life. I, I, I live a, with a healthier sexuality, but I'm also looking for, as you said before, a deeper longing for intimacy rather than just sex. Sex satisfies me for just a few seconds, but intimacy satisfies me for so much longer that, that it's, it's the connection that we have together. And I think that's why God put us together as husbands and wives. He didn't put us together just to have sex, because our enemy has distorted that view of sex. And so when God comes together and says, okay, you have a problem with this issue, I want you to get help, because there's reconciliation and redemption when I begin to look at what is my real connection to my partner. It's not sexual. There's a sexual aspect to it because God gave that to us. But it's more about having a deep, intimate love relationship that we can share versus me purport onto her or onto him in a, in a, a selfish, one, I, me, mine kind of way. It becomes an us celebration rather than just a me celebration. Right, which you would ultimately probably find more satisfaction. Well, you would find more satisfaction in rather than just trying to please yourself, but entering into um, the gift of sex that God gives married people to to be able to um, share that gift together. Correct, correct. Sex then becomes something that is shared with us that we can enjoy. You know, the scripture talks about to be naked and unashamed. And so when we get come out of hiding and we, are, we have no secrets, then there's nothing to be afraid of. And so if, if intimacy leads to sex rather than sex leads to intimacy, we, a lot of guys, especially guys, we have that backwards. We think that if we're sexual, then, oh, we're going to have this great intimate relationship. No, that's not right. If, if we have an intimate relationship, if I chase my wife's heart and I get her heart, I'm going to have something of her that she gives to no one else, which is that deep, intimate love that, she, that God has put in her to give to her partner. And so mm-hmm. I get to be the recipient of that as she does mine. And so intimacy goes way further in a marriage than just sex. That's why the divorce rate is so high, because it's about sex. Hmm. It's not about intimacy. We're not taught how to do intimacy and how to have an intimate connection with each other. Is there some unlearning that has to occur about what's sexy and what's not? Because I feel like intimacy, we're not trained to actually think that that is sexy. Even if that's our root desire, it's like, like, is there, I guess, what is some of the mind retraining that has to occur in order to even get your longings in the right place? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we have to be careful about about, and I I mentioned it before, objectification. So it's not about body parts, and it's not about about certain clothing. Now, are those things, you know, cool and used within the context of marriage? Yes, absolutely. But we have to be careful about putting too much emphasis on, you know, being a size zero or being able to bench press 400 pounds or, you know, all the physical attributes. 
because yeah. when I start doing that, I'm starting to objectify. I, I dehumanize. That's really what it, that objectification is. I, I take the humanization out of my partner, and now I'm putting my all of my eggs in the basket of you know certain clothing or swinging from the chandelier or <laughs> or whatever it might be. You know, I put more emphasis in the arousal because that then takes me back into myself. I am getting something for myself rather than experiencing something together. Right. So we have to be real careful there because my brain is, is my biggest sex organ. And, and so when I'm into a place of intimacy, I am connected to my partner spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, proximally, you know, together close. I mean, we have great fun together. I'm, I'm connected to her in ways that I'm not connected to anyone else. And yeah. because I'm connected to her and her heart, sex becomes a natural outpouring of that, that connection together. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's... You yeah. did perfectly, I think. That's, that's good. That's good. I'm over here taking notes. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much for sharing your hard-won wisdom with us. And if anybody wants to look you up, where can they find you online? They can find me at uh, DougBarnesCounseling.com. Uh, my website is there, or you can reach me at uh, 214-587-9631. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for checking in with us on the final episode of the series that we've been doing on sexual addiction and also our series on the body. This is Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Grace Scott and Hannah Greaser. Visit our website at www.christiancurious.co to find more shows and find out more about us. That's www.christiancurious.co. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at our email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.